Hello and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. Happiness is sexy, and on today's show, we'll be discussing ways to enhance your happiness with relationship coach Claire Blossom. Claire helps women, non-binary folks, and men build secure, thriving, non-traditional relationships through one-on-one coaching. In her signature coaching program, she walks clients through every step of the journey towards the love that they desire. Claire's been in polyamorous relationships for seven years with the same nesting partner. So Claire Blossom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, glad to. I am your host, Stephen, and we're also joined tonight with my wife, Kimberly. Hello. And Ava. Hello, fellow seductioners. <laughs> Has anybody done anything interesting this week? Claire, have you done anything interesting this week? Yes, I went paddle boarding for the first time on Friday night. So that was fun. Okay. That's cool. What was that like? I did not stand up, but I think I'm going to try standing up next time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, it's hard. I found, I was really kind of surprised, like my kids and I will kayak and that is like, you're kind of balanced. Well, you know, you're low to the ground. And when you do the paddle boarding and you stand up, your feet are like, you have to keep them in a certain position. So I found like it was harder than I I expected it to be. So, Mm -hmm. so what did you do? Sit on it and paddle around? Yeah, I was trying a few different ways of being on it, like kneeling on it. And I, I think next time I'll stand up when I'm in shallower water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So you're, I can tell then you're in a warm portion of the country. Yes, I am. I'm in the South. Yeah. Well, we are too. So we're right there with you. Although I have not gotten in the water yet. I I imagine it's still kind of too cold. I was just thinking earlier today that I need to plan a kayaking trip like in the next month or two now that warm weather is upon us. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We're getting there. Ava or Kimberly, anything interesting or fun? So I guess not in the last week, but it's been a minute since I've been on the show for various reasons. And I have to say, Ava, that you're in Brandy's episode that you took over the show and you you did the sex toy review inspired me because Brandy had the remote control panty vibe thing, mm-hmm. I think. And so I've had this kind of similar type of sex toy that I haven't used outside of the bedroom before so we took um the sex toy to the mark with us and i put it on and steve had the remote and we had fun just walking around (laughs) i'm so glad we could inspire you that's awesome very inspiring (laughs) and i have to say that's actually pushing kimberly's boundaries because like in the past, she's always like, no, like that, that stuff, like we're doing that at home and only in the bedroom. Yeah, so I was that's like, true. that's what you want to do. You want to do that in like a more public environment. And, um, and she was like, yeah, I think I do. I was like, okay. So, and for anybody at home, the mark is like our kinky community center. So it's not like we're at a restaurant doing this, you know, it, it's like every, it's that it's fine behavior to do it. Oh, at, right. At a, Sex is allowed. Like so that. yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, that was actually, I was, I was really kind of, I'm going to say nicely surprised because that was Kimberly pushing her boundaries and things. So nice. Yeah, so thanks, Ava. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's jump in. Our main topic that we're going to talk about today is, is enhancing happiness. Um, Claire, before we get into, into that discussion, talking about it, um, what is it and how can people enhance it? Um, 
would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the people that you serve? Yeah. So my name's Claire Blossom and I work with people in non-traditional relationships, especially in consensual non-monogamy and polyamory. And so what I help people do is to build unshakable confidence in themselves and in their relationships so that they trust themselves to make the right decisions about their relationships and to thrive while they're in them. So that's what I do. And I work with people one-on-one. So I have kind of an in-depth relationship with each client one-on-one for usually a year. So I get to go really deep with people. How do you make it, you said like kind of unshakable, which that is like the key, like I think all of us would like that, you know, so like what, how do you go about trying to do that? Like, what are, do you have techniques or like sort of goals that you kind of head towards or how, how do you do that? Yeah. So the result that people are getting to is that they feel great about their relationships most of the time. And when they don't, they know what to do. So that's how I would define the unshakable part. So they know a process to follow. You could even think of it as like a protocol to follow when they're feeling insecure when they're struggling and that's how you get to that place of like I always know something I always know what to do and what where I can go when I'm having a hard time I got you so it's sort of like it's fine to have your doubts at some moment but when you do you got a plan yeah and it's about like raising your baseline level of well-being in the relationship as well um yeah And also, I guess my approach, I'm I'm very interested in helping people have great relationships. And I also think that some people, when they develop that confidence, they're going to decide, they're going to make decisions about their relationships that might not be to stay together. Whereas I really do value long-term relationships myself. Um, the, The point is to get people to that place where they feel unshakable confidence in what they want for themselves. Yeah, Even if it means not staying together. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting because I don't think everybody would sort of take that approach. Sometimes it's like, no, you've got to stay together. I th- And I th- want to say my understanding is like some therapists and stuff like that. It's like if you come in and say like, oh, we want to like we're coming in together as a couple and we want to do couples counseling yeah. that I think you could tell me more about this if you know that the therapist sort of takes the position of like, I'm here to represent the relationship. And therefore, Mm. as long as people have like a 1% chance that they want to stay together, Mm -hmm. the therapist is like has to represent the relationship. Therefore, they're doing everything they can to maintain the relationship. What are your thoughts? Is that right? Or my misunderstanding? Or or what is what is your angle? I think that might be the case for you personally. Yeah, for some therapists, that may be the case. Um, coaching, of course, is a different angle. We mm-hmm. the, Then therapy, we as coaches, we get to decide what approach we're taking. And for me, I love love and I love being in relationships, including long ones. There's like a real beauty of being in a long-term relationship and being able to keep coming together after all that time. And so a lot of people I work with, they absolutely want to be in their relationships. I also work with a number of people who aren't currently attached. So if somebody's wish and goal is to strengthen their relationship and to stay in it, then that's that's how I'll be working with them. But I actually also find it helpful for, for them to get the freedom and realize I don't actually have to be in this. I can choose this. You know, there's always that phrase, I'm choosing this every day, that they can decide if they want to be in it over and over again. Um, and so sometimes just that freedom of like knowing that you have options, there can be a lot of times people decide that they want the relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, you had mentioned that you also will help people who are like on the asexuality spectrum. Yeah. So that's just a passion of mine and something that I'm really growing in and delving into is, um, I would say the asexuality spectrum and then just more broadly, um, sexuality that's maybe not exactly what is, um, ma- the mainstream view of how a modern couple, you know, the kind of relationship a modern couple should have when it comes to sexuality. And so anytime where there's maybe less sex happening than people think should be happening, or when people have really different levels of desire, that's something that I'm really passionate about just getting to a to a good place with it just to normalize, hey, we're human and we have, this is just one part of our humanity and these desires can be all over the place. And to kind of destigmatize the idea that it's a problem that wherever they're at is a problem to be fixed. So is that a big part of it? Just saying like, hey, wherever you're at, like it's not necessarily a problem. Is that a big thing of what you're doing? That's definitely the, uh, like always the guiding assumption that I'm bringing to the table. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, one other thing, when you and I had spoke before, before recording this, you had mentioned thought work coaching yeah. And that you really like that. And so can you elaborate? That was interesting to me, but can you elaborate that for, for everybody on what yeah. that is? Yeah. So I really need to give credit to um, the person who influenced me the most as a coach. Um, is named Cara Lowenthal, and she runs the Unfuck Your Brain podcast. And mm. she calls her style of coaching, she calls it thought work. So I've certainly been influenced by her a lot. And I guess each person can define what they mean by thought work, but it really what it is, is paying attention to your thoughts. Um, maybe more so than what specific actions am I going to take? You're, you're realizing how much your thoughts and how much your mind impacts your experiences and taking a, a lot, just doing a lot of examination of your thoughts rather than, you know, trying to figure out the exact right path to take. The idea is that when you have when you're thinking the way that you want to be, you will know what what to do. You will figure out what what actions that you do want to take. Does that make sense? I think you say when you're thinking the way you ought to be, or the way want you to want be? to be. Yeah. So what what exactly does that mean? Like um, having the confidence behind the thoughts. Like yes, this is like what I want, and I know I'm headed in the right direction. Yeah. Well, it could be something like okay, so you've got to go to your mother-in-law's home for the weekend and you feel as if you can't say no to that. Um, And so you're having this thought that's like, I can't say no, I have to go and see her. And so then what you do is you go and see her anyway and you're not feeling good about it. But you could choose for various reasons, you might choose a totally different thought, which could be, it's okay if I say no to this. And if you have that thought, then maybe you'll say no, or maybe you'll go anyway, but you'll just feel this freedom. So you're focusing on how to shift your thoughts in ways that are freeing for you, basically. Okay. So is it like reframing? For sure. Okay. Yeah, that's- okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, as we get into like the happiness topic, um, I read this book, I'll start this off. Okay. Uh, years ago, probably 10 years ago. And I think the book was called happiness and I'm not sure who the author was, but just reading like the introduction really fascinated me, um, because it was stuff like that. I just hadn't thought of before. Right. So it's like happiness. Oh yeah. We all know what it means to be happy. And then she came in the author 
I have to, I'll put the, I'll put the book in the show notes. I'll look up who it was and I'll put the, the book and the author in the show notes. And, uh, she came in and she was like, well, there's different types of kind of happiness and how happiness works. So what I thought this was interesting, she's like, you know, Nelson Mandela spends most of his life in prison, you know, has this really rough, rough life, but then he gets out near the end of it, you know, in the, and helps transform the country. And so he thinks like, this is great. This is awesome. It was definitely worth it. You know, so the thing that is weird there is like this person went through this whole long, hard period, but then they're happy at the end. Then you compare that with somebody else who's maybe like a beach bum. They, you know, have a really nice, easy day. They don't have to do anything, you know, and that's really kind of nice. But maybe at the end of their life, they're kind of like, eh, like I feel like I sort of didn't do anything, you know, like I didn't with, with my life. So there's this kind of balance between I enjoyed the day, but then there's always this kind of. I think there's always this kind of like downside of like, you know, oh, I didn't do as much as say Nelson Mandela. And so another third example is like exercising. Like you might be like, oh, I hate exercise. This is me. Like I hate exercising. Right. But then once you go out and you do it, then later you're like, I feel great. I'm really glad that I did it. So happiness, what I found with this this whole thing was there's this kind of weird balance of like, it's connected with things often that you don't necessarily like that you don't necessarily like, or that is kind of hard or difficult. And I found that really kind of fascinating. So it's like, you're not gonna be happy all the time. This is my opinion. You're not gonna be happy all the time, but it's like, you're trying to find the right balance maybe for you. And that it's happiness is sort of linked with some hard work mixed in there. It's not just kind of all, all joy. If you're the beach bum, I think you end up with some disappointment maybe later in life for certain things. So what do you, you want to expand on that? Claire of, you know, different states of happiness and what you understand about it? Yeah. Well, my main thought around happiness as it relates to relationships and non-traditional relationships is that, uh, yeah, my main thought is that it's not the external circumstances that bring the happiness. It's the way, again, it's our thoughts and it's what we're thinking and we can change that that's like really the key message. And so I think maybe for someone like Nelson Mandela, what's happening for him is that he had, he he was really dedicated to a political cause for all of his life. And so the meaning attached to having been in prison for such a long time was, was, was significant enough that he could say that he had had a happy life, despite the fact that he'd been in prison. Like he's not saying like, oh, I'm happy that this regime has imprisoned me for all of this time, but that he had been doing so he had been able to win freedom. Right. So that's, that's very much about his thoughts about it, as opposed to something objective about the circumstances. So like a sense of accomplishment that therefore says, Hey, this was worth it. Yeah, but I think the the sense of accomplishment 100% comes from your own mind, because somebody else could have the exact same experience as him and say, you know, this, this wasn't worth it, actually. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a was- lot of sense to me what you what you said about that, Claire, there's a, a term that I've kind of coined in in my own head. Um, that I think is kind of along the lines of, of what, what is being described here of like, nobody, nobody is happy about being in prison, right? Like, that's, that's generally not a thing. Um, but there's personal satisfaction, right, about fulfilling something that's really important to you in in the example of Nelson Mandela, right? Or like Stephen in the example that you gave about like exercising, like there are plenty of people out there that are in the same boat as you of like, I just don't enjoy exercising. It's not something that feels good. 
but it's something that you can feel good about having accomplished afterward, right? Or you can feel good after exercising. And that kind of intrinsic value, that like sense of fulfillment that you get out of that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're enjoying the act of whatever it is in the moment, right? Because that's not the same as happiness. That is that is a presence or lack of uh, pleasure, right? And so for me, the concept has always been like happiness versus pleasure. If I want to indulge in a candy bar, that might be really pleasurable and that might feel really good in the moment. Or if I want to, what was the other example you gave Stephen about being a beach bum, right? Like just hanging out at the beach all day, like soaking up the sun, like, yeah, that's going to feel really nice in the moment. But am I going to feel a lack of fulfillment from not having done more to like personally accomplish myself or feel good about the kind of human being that I am or support the causes that are important to me? Like there's no like intrinsic satisfaction there, right? So the whole concept of like happiness versus pleasure, pleasure being this like external stimuli, this temporary state of being, as opposed to happiness being this like, I am I am content with who I am. I'm happy about who I am and what I represent and what I've accomplished in life. So you're seeing it more as like a, not as like, how do I feel in the moment, but you're saying like happiness is like an overall uh, picture of yourself, how yeah. you see yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's I, I hadn't even really, yeah, I hadn't really even thought about that, but that makes sense too. Like a, as a, um, your self image or yourself in some ways, your self worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you look in the mirror at the end of the day, how do you feel about yourself? Do you get good feelings or do you get crappy feelings from, you know, not representing the things that are most important to you mm -hmm. or taking, you know, taking care of yourself. Okay. So another question that I had sort of, which I think we're really getting into, okay, is like, because there's happiness, there's different states of happiness. There's the, are you happy in the moment or is it like the overall image that you have of yourself? Okay. So, so many people too are just like, oh, just let's like the goal of life is to be happy. I, I don't know that that's really the case. I feel like, like, no, that like, this is a very simple way to kind of put it, tell ourselves of like, that's what we want to do. I just want to be happy with my life. But Claire, I guess I'm going to turn to you. Like, what do you, that's not probably accurate, is it? Like, what would you say about somebody? If I came in as a client, I'm like, well, I just want to be happy all the time. You know, like, what would you say or redirect or how would you address somebody? That yeah, well, I probably would say that being happy all the time is impossible. It is, it is possible much more than you think. I would say, I guess I'm also coming from a Buddhist perspective where it's like, well-being is our birthright and goodness is our birthright. And so it may be, I think a lot of times happiness is a lot less complicated than we think in the moment. But mm -hmm. the fact that we're having, you know, those thoughts in the moment of like, no, I do want to be happy right now, but they didn't have chocolate ice cream at the store. And so I just can't right now, you know, like it's our minds are what interferes with that, but that's also not such a problem or so, as much of a problem as we make it out to be. So I would definitely say as like, I think happiness is a great goal to focus on for sure. And that you're going to learn so much about what that actually means for you um, through working together. Yeah. Is it maybe more the way Ava described it? Like if I'm your client or something, are you, would you be trying to get me to see like, Steve, it's not just about the chocolate ice cream. Like think about your overall happiness of your overall of the life, like your big picture kind of thing. So you can have your moments of like disappointment or anger because there's no chocolate ice cream, but the bigger, would you be trying to redirect me to see it as like 
if you're doing the things that you really want to be doing, if you're you know trying to live that authentic life and that kind of thing, then you're going to have an overall satisfaction more with yourself. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's really true. And then also, I'm not necessarily going to redirect them because my job when I'm first starting to work with people is actually to help them draw out what their dreams are and to see how those dreams are possible. So. The, getting into the the details of what does happiness actually mean to them, that's going to come later. But I do think that when you pursue what you really want, it's sometimes going to be things that are scary to you. And your brain is just going to go crazy when you pursue those things. So say, for example, that um, you know, you do, you identify that you have, I guess, well, let's just like talk about relationships, right? You have a desire to have more than one, um, like emotionally significant romantic relationship in your life. And you think, oh, that's actually, that's what's going to make me happy. Um, but what that's not, I guess I would say that that's, that's not actually reaching that goal isn't what makes you happy it's the fact that you've like given yourself space to allow yourself something that you wanted. If that makes sense. It's not necessarily, it's like it, and it, another way to think of it is more like the journey than the destination. So um, am I hearing that it's more about like the freedom to give yourself those choices, like giving yourself permission to say, you know, this is what I want and I can paint that picture. However, I, I want it to be rather than just following, you know, the, white picket fence with 2.5 kids and, and marriage type of blueprint. Like you have a choice and, and you have this opportunity to give yourself the freedom of like, I get to decide like what, what I want and whatever, like whatever that answer is, whatever comes out of my mouth, like that's, that's valid. And that yeah. can be freeing. Yeah. And that you're giving yourself the happiness. It's not that the external things are giving that to you. Uh, let's talk about what's wrong with me. Okay, so when I was younger, uh, I got to go on an exchange program, and I got to go to Poland. Um, and so I decided before I even went there, it would be really cool to have like a Polish girlfriend. I was going to be over there for like, you know, six months and stuff like that. So got over there, and we were sort of we were in the architecture departments, like, you know, 15 of us, and we were kind of matched up with 15 English-speaking Polish people. And so it was like we all hung out together, and it was really cool. And then after all, I don't know, several weeks and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I still don't have my Polish girlfriend. I better get to work on this thing. Okay. So then I, so then I made it happen. Okay. So I was, that was awesome. And then, um, I was accidentally not very nice to her. Okay. And so there's like one time I remember this still, I still feel guilty about this. Like this still bugs me years and years later. Okay. It was like, we were like the, 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 the trams, which were like the, trolley cars and things like that you know they're leaving the downtown section and you know we had to get on them by i don't know 12 30 or something like that at night and it was like you know do we do that or do we walk home and if we walk home it's an hour long walk home so if you stay out you're staying out late and then you have an hour long walk home right and so i remember the girl that i had like picked at my polish girlfriend and you know got her on the tram and she went home and i remember as soon as she left and i did not do this consciously but as soon as she left i was like you know what maybe we should stay out later you know, and I'd later in retrospect, I'm like, I just got rid of her, you know, like I didn't necessarily fully consciously do it, but I kind of got rid of her and then we hung out. So that still, you know, bothers me today. But I think it was like I was blind and not really able to see that I was forcing the situation. So is that me just being like, it would be really, what do you, what do you, what does that make you think of? Like, I'm like, oh, it would be really cool to have a Polish girlfriend. I'm going to go make it happen. Do you see people, I assume you see people like that all the time that you have to like, 
is that really what you want? Like, what would you say to me? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. If you're, so you're what, 16 when this is happening? Uh, no, How I'm much more, much more mature, much more mature. I'd be like, yeah, like 22, oh, 23, oh, gotcha. yeah. much more mature, much more mature. So I, I think that's really common, but I would just say that, um, if you're thinking that getting the Polish girlfriend is what's going to make you happy or create like the, the good feelings that you want for yourself, it, it then, would be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. So <laughs> That's the thing. I think if you're talking about it like that, then that that feels a bit that feels a bit different. Because what I see is people pursuing um, non-monogamy and thinking, okay, well, this the white picket fence, yeah, nuclear family didn't work for me, so this is the thing that's really going to make me happy. And then sometimes what I see is that they're actually um, maybe even less so than before, because it's like, instead of expecting one person to meet all your needs, you're expecting like, what, seven people. I don't know anyone who actually dates seven people, but I just <laughs> love the idea of like fragmenting all your needs into seven different people. You're expecting all these other people to meet your needs and make you happy. Like you're still saying, you're still seeing the locus of, of satisfaction and well-being outside of yourself and you're relying on other people for that. Um, and we all do that to some extent, but if you can really like shift your, your locus of control and well-being so that it's like, no, I create this for myself. Like I'm creating it by having positive thoughts about these seven different people. Like that's, I think people just want to feel ha happy, right? And lo lots of love and connection. And a lot of the time we think that that comes from a specific circumstance when actually we can create that feeling for ourselves a lot of the time, no matter what. That reminds me of a book yeah. that I read once about, uh, it was like, it was, it was some kind of like self-help book on like weight loss journeys, I think is what it was. And it talked, a, there, there was a whole chapter about like, in order for you to be successful in your your weight loss journey, like you need to be happy with yourself in your body right now. Otherwise, when you get there, when you lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds or whatever it is, if you're, if you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy then. Right. And you think that you will be like, that's why you, that's why people want to go on weight loss journeys. Right. Because they think, oh, if I just drop the weight, I'll be happy. But the concept is really like learning how to, how to be happy with yourself in your current state and accept yourself as you are like right now. That way, when you go and go and get these other things that you want, like you absolutely will be happy. Like you won't still be stuck in this feeling of, of wanting or of, of unsatisfaction. Yes. I have also heard that around weight loss too, especially in the coach world. There's, I feel like there are different types. There's like money, business coaches, relationship, and then weight loss coaches. It's like, all, or anything related to health. And that I find that such a convincing insight that has actually made me a lot more open to, um, you know, weight loss as opposed to people who were intentionally trying to lose weight and even trying to do that myself, I've become more open to it by seeing like, oh, these people really have like my interests in mind. They have my back by saying that rather than promising that the happiness is somewhere else later. So I think that yeah. that's, I, I almost think that's sort of like a wave of the future, although like Buddhism and Zen Buddhism is, is not exactly new right but it's these new these ways of thinking that come back around that like yeah over there is actually not better than here whatever issues you have here you're still going to have there um mm -hmm. so yeah and relationships there's so many examples of how that comes up like for myself i noticed that my 
pattern relationships can sometimes be that there's some kind of like rejecting of myself at some point where it's like, no, I've messed this thing up or I've, I've done a bad job at being in a relationship with other people. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to just like flip my whole life and start everything over. Um, and then it, that's when I identify like, yeah, but you would still do this. <laughs> like you would yeah. definitely like almost the one thing that's probably 99% guaranteed is that you would still have those moments of like, just like deep self-rejection, you know? Yeah. Um, if you can't actually like sit like with those feelings and like deal with and process those, then you're not going to get, you're not setting yourself up for success the next time that you run into the same problem, even if you do start fresh somewhere else. Yeah. I, have, I have that same, that same feeling of anxiety of like, oh, I fucked this up. I'm going to go hide in the corner and then I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm just going to restart and start fresh with somebody else or somewhere else. Or I, I have definitely felt those types of feelings before. I just wanted to like run away and hit the reset button. That's, those are hard yeah. to deal with. Yeah. And so isn't there a thing like with uh, relationship patterns where like you'll be in a relationship, you know, you'll break up for whatever reason. Okay. And you go to the next relationship and you think like, oh, this one, like what you all are saying, like this one, you know, it's going to be better. I'm going to start over and start fresh. But the reality is like, we pick the same type of people and we go into the same situation. Um, and, and I think some of that, this is probably not correct. It's like based off of like your parental, the way you grew up, you know, how your parents are. Right. So you get come. Again, this is a really simple explanation and probably not totally accurate. Like your parents have flaws, they're not sort of good at certain things, you know, and so you get used to like handling those problems or those issues. Therefore, when you get out in the real world and you can pick your own partners, you can accidentally tend to be like, oh, I'm okay with somebody who acts like that because I have all the skill and how to deal with it. So you kind of are, you're picking people that end up having the same issues, maybe that your parents sort of had, and it kind of perpetuates itself. So even if you, you know, drop one partner and you go on to the next, you very often pick partners that are in the same, doing the same thing. So I've heard that Ava, Claire, Kimberly. I mean, what, have you guys heard that? And is that really, like I say, I, I don't exactly know what I'm talking about. Half know what I'm talking about. It's just enough to be dangerous. So what, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> That's so dangerous, Steven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so how, I don't know how accurate and how true that is. So do you all know more? Well, yeah. So none, none of us are claiming to be psychotherapists on the podcast. I think it's fine. Claire, we got you on here because it. you're an expert. You said you're am, an expert. I am a <laughs> trained coach. I actually, so I'm very overeducated, um, which I'm, I quite like that all the degrees that I've gotten, I've enjoyed grad school and the whole process a lot. So sometimes <laughs> I think, why don't you just go back to school and get a degree in counseling? But I if you ever want to talk about it, I have very specific thoughts about why coaching is specifically more, well, I don't want to say more impactful. So for me, it has been the most impactful thing that I've done. And therapy is also incredibly impactful. So I work with a lot of people who have therapists and coaches. If you can swing that insurance wise, like the therapist covers your insurance, you work with a coach anyway. Um, so on the topic of, yeah, like psychotherapeutic knowledge, but so there's all of, yeah, everybody likes to talk about attachment theory nowadays. Um, I think that's what part of what you're referring to, Stephen. But I do think about how in my early 20s, I chose um, very destructive relationships or relationships that were just not like friendly to my well-being at all. Um, and I felt that that was definitely coming out of some trauma. And it's interesting how I just, I... I like dramatically shifted that 
so that I actually did end up choosing different kinds of people from my early 20s to my mid 20s. And, and I think a lot of people go through that, either with the help of a therapist or just realizing they really want something to change. So I do think, yeah, that it's possible to pick totally different types of partners, but there's some kind of internal shift that has to happen that allows that to take place. You know, I, I know when I went through my divorce, my therapist was kind of like, I think that maybe that's why I'm speaking from is like, she, she's like, Oh, you know, we don't want you doing the set, getting right back in the next relationship and nothing's changed, you know, because I was like, for me, it was like, I, I had changed. I had recognized that. And, and really by change, I mean like grown, I had learned things about myself, you know, therefore it was like, there's new directions in some ways that I wanted to kind of head. And so I think she wanted to make sure that I didn't just go repeat the same thing and end up back in the same situation that I was. So I think that was like her trying to be like, no, we're going to like, what I, Ava used the right word. We're going to like process this or, you know, something like that to where you, you might pick somebody different than what you would have traditionally in the past that, you know, that, that may end up being a, a nice fit for you or something. Yeah. And what do you think it was that changed for you? So that, so that you didn't pick the same, the same kind of situation. Well, so it's hard to like look back and see yourself like what, you know, what were you like 20 years ago? So for me, um, I, there's a couple of things, a couple of like moving parts. So one of them was that I, something, it's so funny. It's like, so I have my kids, right. And you start to read these, like the parenting books, you know, and I realized one of them was like on, you know, taking care of your kids. And I realized like, it, oh, and like helicopter parenting where you just like, you know, you're always there to make sure everything the kids need, you know, and I'm going to say we were a little bit guilty of that. I don't know how much, but we were a little bit guilty of it. And I realized like, no, there's a certain aspect of like, I need to take, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first when the plane is crashing and then you take care of your kid. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not around to do anything for your kids. And that resonated with me. And I kind of realized like, okay, like we're, you know, both my, their mom, my my wife at the time, we were both doing all this kind of effort for the kids, but we weren't always taking care of ourselves. And so I realized that's a problem and I need to do more things for myself. And so that was like a turning point because then it made me start to think like, well, what, you know, like look at my life and like, what do I want? And like some of the things we're talking about today. And so one of the things I like learned was like, I had like stopped, like I am, I, I like friends and I'm very social and things. And I had stopped kind of hanging out with certain friends because I wanted to be a good husband and I wanted to be a good father. And so all of a sudden I'm surrounded by people that are not the ones of my choosing where it's like, uh, you know, I've got coworkers or clients, things like that. And that's all fine. And then you have like the other parents from the school and that's all fine too. There's nothing wrong with any of these people. But then I was like realizing like I need like my people that I choose that I really click and connect with because the other groups basically, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast, you know, they, you all know, you listeners, you know, the kind of people that we are and we would have been judged and that was not kind of okay. You know, so in some ways being kind of closeted about that and not getting to be, you know, authentic in yourself. So that was something that I really needed to do. And I recognized that I needed to do that. And then the issue with the marriage, there were some other issues with the marriage we'll get, won't necessarily get all into, but, um, me growing and realizing that implemented change. Like I'm like actively, like I want to change things about, you know, my life. And, and I'm seeing it as like, this is going to benefit everybody. You know, I'm going to be a better person there for my kids. It's going to benefit the kids and you know, my wife. 
And, um, but I would say like, she didn't necessarily want the change, you know, to her, the change was scary. And in some ways that's where the clash kind of came in and where at the time I'm going to say, you know, get married and we might've matched up pretty well, you know, but over time we changed and just like I have the right to make changes and want to go in this different direction. She has the right to, to not want that. And so it just got to be to the point where it was like, we were not a good fit. I was not able to give her what she wanted, you know, even as much as I, you know, loved her, it was, I could not give her certain key aspects that she wanted and vice versa. And that's in some way, it's a nice way of saying, you know, all the drama that kind of goes with divorces and stuff like that. But that's really, I think what it kind of comes down to. So that was my experience. Just what you're saying really gets at like this deeper question that I think we're all talking about it, which is, okay, so yeah, you, you think you will probably carry over similar patterns from one relationship to the next uh-huh. if you're not doing, if something isn't shifting for you. And so just changing the circumstance isn't necessarily going to lead you to what you were hoping for, which I think a lot of the time is, is like, is happiness or some form of it. But again, I think it's it's not the circumstance that causes it. It's, it's really our experience of the world and our thoughts and feelings about it. Yeah. So what I hear you keep saying is like you're kind of going back to like yourself, you know, that it's not that the other person's going to make you happy. If I went to Italy and got an Italian girlfriend, she would not necessarily make me happy. I've got to figure out, Claire, are you saying that the problem is with me? Yeah. I've got to figure out things. Yeah. Ow. Ow, or not the problem, like, but that it's also like really good news. Like actually, look, that- at, Kim- look at Kimberly's smile right now. Yeah. Just everybody that's <laughs> just on here. Like- I know <laughs> listeners, you cannot see it. But when I said the problem is with me, Kimberly got this big, pretty no, smile. It yes, it was. Don't say it wasn't. You Look at her now. I think I was thinking how amused I was by the fact that Stephen apparently really, really, really wants to have like a foreign girlfriend. <laughs> and really? I was wondering what Kimberly was thinking about that. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are, Steve. <laughs> oh, see, Claire, that's what I'm talking I about. Like she doesn't talk a lot. And then when she comes in, she's like, boom. And it's usually it's like an insult. Exactly. But I would say <laughs> that you wanting something, it's like, that's fine. But do you think that you're going to, if you're sad, do you think that that's going to make you happy in a lasting way to have the Italian, the Italian girlfriend? girlfriend? Yeah. Um, versus the Polish girlfriend, right? Because we've gone through that. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah. We're, You've already okay, so learned we're the it. Italian. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I do. I mean, I love pasta and I love Italian city. So the Italian yeah. girlfriend would probably be more in line. Do you know any Italian girlfriends? Oh gosh. <laughs> I do not know. Okay. All right. So, so what, so you're saying like the problem, let's go back. You said, the, Claire said the problem is Steve, the problem is you and you need to think about your life. Okay. So what you're, so what I need to be more conscious of is like, what, what, basically you're saying like, what do you want, Steve? Oh, let me throw this out there. You might like this, Claire. So my therapist at the time, I could never do this. So this is still a problem with me. She goes, I want you to spend the entire weekend by yourself alone. So you, you're bored. And I was like, wait, wait, like, I don't, I am a busy person. I have all this stuff to do. And I have like, I've been dying to hang out with people. And she's like, I know. And I want you to spend the weekend alone, bored. Because if you're bored, the the theory was like, if you're bored, then you're going to be really thinking about what kind of like, what do you want to do? 
you know, and it's going to make you more aware of like what is important to you and that kind of thing. So Claire, are you like in league with her? Like you'd be like, yes, Steve, you need to be bored and figure out what you want. No, because I don't think there's anything special that you have to do. I don't think that acting or doing things is the way out of any situation. I think that, so was it, was it going to be a weekend where you would see all these people who you liked, but they weren't the people that you would have chosen? Well, no, she just wanted me not to be like, like, um, I don't know, like socializing or going, like going to our club and things like that. You know, she was like, you need to take time for yourself and focus on yourself. That was like a lot of it, you know, but it was kind of like, so if you're, you know, so yes, I understand half the time you have your kids and you have work and things like that, but she really wanted me to have time just for myself so that I think really, so I'd be a little bit more self-aware. I think sometimes when you are so busy that you don't have any downtime to yourself, you don't have any like time to be bored, as you say, it's easy to lose sight of what's important to you because then you're just kind of living through all of these obligations, right? There's family stuff I have to do. There's work stuff I have to do. There's, there's maintaining the home stuff that I have to do. There's volunteer stuff, yada, 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 all the things. And then, you know, however much time goes by down the road. And at the end, end of all of that, it's like, why, you know, why am I doing these things? What are these things that, that actually make me happy, right? You get so lost in the obligation and the expectation of here's all the things that I need to do to keep the wheels spinning that you you lose your why right and if you have some of that downtime you have that opportunity to do self-reflection and make sure that like yeah I'm doing the things that I want and these are the right things for me and I am happy I am satisfied with the kind of life that I'm living not not to say that your therapist was like 100% right or wrong either way but I, I can understand where she might come from where somebody might come from and saying like take some time to be bored so that your brain can actually like think through and process things that you normally don't make time to to think about yeah for sure and i still wrestle with that you know there's the things that i do very often um i'm gonna say the flip side is like now in some ways i feel like i have a very good full life you know because i love my time with my kids i love this the stuff the time when kimberly and i are just at home chilling i love the things we do on the weekends ava you know with all of our friends and things like that and i have talked with people and it's like well you know basically in some respects like i do too much so it's like what do i want to cut out and i'm like i want to cut out work like I wanted to, you know, like that's the thing that like I wish I because the other stuff basically is really good and I really like it. But the flip side is I don't always give myself enough time. Yeah. So I, I wanted to go back to one thing that uh, Stephen, you kept trying to get Claire to say earlier about Stephen. The problem is you. What what I was hearing, what I was hearing was not like the problem is you, but the solution is you. Right. Like whatever the problem is, like it it doesn't really matter like whose fault the problem is. The the point is like you have the the opportunity to to be your own solution to get yourself to happiness. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what should I do? Do the work. (laughs) Well, here's an insight that keeps coming up a lot lately that I really love, which is learning how to want what you already have. So want what you have. I don't think that would be as helpful for somebody who is concerned about being in an abusive relationship. So if anyone's listening who feels like that describes them, then I would would not recommend that so much. 
But if you're somebody who has a lot going on in their life and a lot of things that you like and doubts sometimes and uncertainties about what it is, like what more you might want and sometimes dissatisfaction because of that, like the exercise of practicing to want exactly what you already have, I think it's so powerful. And so a lot of people think that if you do that, then you'll never change anything in your life. But I want to argue that you actually, or what I really see play out is that you get more excited about what it is that you want to pursue. So you might even I think it's, oh my gosh, I heard about this recently. I heard someone else on a um, another coach's podcast who said that her last year with her husband, with her ex-husband, was one of the happiest years of her life, even though she knew that they were getting divorced and that he was kind of, he was like moving away from her essentially and not wanting to be together anymore. And so people might think, well, how can you possibly be happier? How could you possibly want that? But it's, it's, you know, it's a deeper exercise. Um, And I really don't think it's just like putting a silver lining on a bad situation, as long as your life is not in a place where you're like, oh, this is very, very, you know, bad. And I definitely don't want this. But if you feel ambivalent a lot, or kind of like, yeah, I like this, but I'm not sure about this, then I really find it so powerful to practice wanting what you already have, like exactly the way it is. Um, Yeah, and I'm curious how that resonates for you all. You know, for me, I, I think that so many of us in our culture and in this day and age, we are sort of taught to always want more and to pursue more and to be ambitious. And that those are the things that we need to do and be in order to be successful. And that isn't necessarily true. I'm sure that's true for some people, but that's not the key to success for every person out there. Right. And the concept of like, I don't need to be ambitious. I don't need to pursue more. I don't necessarily need to have more. For, for all the things all the time. I don't always need to be productive, right? Um, but like, I I like the concept of what you're presenting of like, I I can want, I can desire exactly what I have right, right in this moment. And I imagine that that would be a really, really fulfilling and satisfying place to be because it's like finally getting to cross that finish line, except that the finish line is right where I am right now. I don't have to be yeah. in that constant state of, pursuing more, I get to actually enjoy that feeling of crossing the finish line because I'm already there. Yeah. And what's funny since, since I, and like the more in my life, the more I start to take on these kinds of uh, ways of thinking, I've actually become really ambitious, like much more than I thought I had, than I ever thought I would before, because I saw ambition. I was raised at, you know, I went to like all the, the good schools and I, I grew up partly in New England where it's just a very competitive, like intellectual culture that I've, I've, I've been a part of, you know, most of my life. And I was like, no, this ambition thing, it's like, I really just want to help people. I don't really like that so much. And I've actually found it like much easier to just like build a life coaching business, for example, because I'm like, no, but there's nothing wrong with my life now. I've got my purple walls. I've got my partners, you know? (laughs) And so this is good. And then I can also, like, it enables me to get excited about something new as opposed to, like, before it would be like, oh my God, I have to get to something new because there's something wrong with me if I don't have it. And then I would just, like, reject that whole game and be like, no, I'm not doing this. Something wrong with me if I don't have enough money thing. And so now it's like, I don't know, again, in Buddhism, it's like, the kind of desire that is harmful to us versus desire that's skillful, which is like desire for just like compassion and love and, you know, bigness connection with other people. 
desire that has like grasping and clinging, that is what, what causes a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And there's just I so like your much walls, by the way. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really Our bathroom into... is purple. <laughs> Love it. Mine is pink. I don't know if you can see it. There's a pink bathroom yeah. back here. <laughs> yeah. But so the real, the real story is just that there's so much of all of this, I think applies to non-traditional relationships with multiple partners, because when you're on the fringe of society, which I guess is kind of true. I don't know if we really even are anymore consensual non-monogamy practitioners, but when you're on doing something that's unusual, that's out of the normal playbook, you think it's easy to think like, oh, finally, if I had just known about this thing, then I would have been fine the whole time. And it's like, well, no, you're, you're going to keep encountering yourself. Um, and it's going to be a big part of freeing yourself and liberating yourself for sure. Um, but that's, I think that's something that's different from just overall well-being. Like it could be a big part of your like, this is how I want to be in the world. But that's different mm -hmm. from like everyday well-being, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I had two thoughts. I've I been listening to you all. Okay, so I'm gonna make, this goes back a little bit to things we just said. Okay. But you, Ava, one thing you had made a comment about like with society, and I really want to do a future podcast episode on this where it's like society has, so Claire, you don't know this. I love evolution. I love what science teaches us about evolution. Okay, so one of the things was cool. like society as a group, as a whole, has certain things that they want, like ways they want us to behave, right? So that's why I think you come in and it's like, Ava, society wants you to push yourself. They want you to do better. You know, we want you to do this kind of thing. So you get that so, sort of social pressure put on yourself. The flip side is like the individual, you know? And so you as an individual, you're going to make, you have to make certain certain decisions, okay? So- if you're an individual and you don't give a hell about society, you know, you can go out and like, ah, oh, just kill this person. I'll take this. I'll go do that. You know, so there's this balance of like some, there's this balance that's always playing out between sort of not individual rights. That's not the right word, but the individual versus society. So society comes in with their standards and things like that. And a lot of those standards are to keep us, you know, complacent and safe. Don't make any fast moves. You know, we, we're society. We don't like people who make fast moves and are like a you know, potential threat to us. So there's this interesting balance that you as an individual, you need to do things to take care of yourself because in some ways, if you don't, society is going to like squash you down in a certain form that we want you to do so that we, you know, stay sort of safe. Um, so anyway, and that was something too, I can think I found like really with my divorce in that time period where it was like, and Claire, I guess that's where I started to go into like the non-traditional thing and realize like, no, I've got to pursue this. And this is not what society necessarily wants, but it's, it's good for me. And, you know, extension is good for anything else. The other, so I just kind of want to throw that out there again. We could talk about that separate topic down the road, you know, but to me, it's kind of interesting that balance between the two. One of the things I read that I think that I think this makes sense, but I want to hear your thoughts. Evolution is like you, why you're never going to be happy. You know, that if you get to a comfortable level of like, oh, I've acquired this and this and this, and now I'm, I've got those things I really, really wanted. So now I'm like safe. Okay. But our minds are sort of always trying to like make us safer and make us in a better, more comfortable position. So now that you have the castle and I have the Polish girlfriend and the Italian girlfriend, you would think I would be, and Kimberly, you would think that I would be happy. Right. But, but right. But my the like the biology part of our brain is like no we can't just be happy like this level becomes now the new norm and we have to like want more so the evolution part is like 
the this the individuals or the species, whatever that are just like, oh, I'm happy and content with what I have. They're not ready for like that rainy, snowy day that's going to come along, you know? So it's like, therefore it's like, it pays to like be, never be satisfied, get out there, always try to be bettering yourself so that you're ready for like whatever come comes along. So I feel like, again, there's this balance, like we might be wired in some ways to have some of that. The other aspect I think is like, like Claire, you and Ava saying like, you have, you have to figure out like, no, I'm going to enjoy the things that I have and also kind of stop myself. This is me just talking, stop myself from having those crazy thoughts of like, I always need more. I always need more. Cause that's not necessarily healthy too. But I think there's this interesting balance that we are pushed. We're not going to be happy with the stuff that we have. I think we're always going to want a little bit more to be a little bit safer, to be a little bit more comfortable, that sort of thing. What, what, so I listened to everything you all said and you all sort of danced around that and kind of said it, but what, what are your all thoughts if I throw that out there? Claire, I really want to know what your thoughts are on this. Um, but I will, <laughs> I will make mine really, really quick. I'm, I'm just, I'm very curious what, what Claire's yeah. thoughts are, but I was going to ask you I, first. Okay. <laughs> no, you should go. Um, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting more. Like there, there's nothing wrong with wanting or desiring to have something in your life or to be more secure or to, to have more, be successful. Like there's nothing wrong with that per se, but I, my, my initial thoughts are like, it's also very important to kind of build that muscle in your brain of knowing that, that I am enough, knowing that you are enough, right? And that like, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting more and going out and getting more, but also at the end of the day, needing to be satisfied wholly in, in yourself and, and have confidence again, that, that I am enough and that my situation is enough and I can go out and try to get more. But if I, if I don't like, I'm still enough, I'm still good. I'm still, you know, I'm, I still have a full and satisfying and happy life. That, that is my hope anyway. That's my two cents. I love that. I definitely think, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely nothing wrong with the wanting for sure, because if that's just how we're working, there's not much we can do about that. We can't just, um, erase that part of ourselves. I like to think of it as, uh, and this is not an original metaphor, but I just like it so much. It's like a path in the forest. Um, and our, our habitual ways of thinking are a path that we've just gone down so many times before that it actually looks like a trail that was, was made by someone else. Right. Um, and so it's so easy to keep going back down that trail again. of like, Oh yeah. Well, now that I have made um, $60,000, now I want to make $65,000. Then I I mean, really with money, it's like, I don't really feel this way about, yeah, if you think the money is going to make you like more happy, again, like research shows, that's just not really how it works. But so you keep going down the same trail of habitual thinking. um, And when you realize it's really not working for you, what you want to do is you're not trying to like burn down that trail or eradicate it. out of existence, but you're trying to build a new trail. You're trying to build a new path for yourself. So I think that's really like our kind of challenge as humans is to recognize what our brains do, just kind of do that we can't control and find clever, because we are very clever beings, right? Find clever ways to redirect in ways that are compassionate for ourselves. Um, So I guess, ingrained racism is a really good example. So a lot of people, I think probably a lot of white people would like to never have automatic racist thoughts. And yet they almost certainly do at some point. 
And so when you see or when you notice an automatic racist thought, that's like the path that you don't want to go down, that you have, you know, you've been taught to go down at all at that time. So for whatever reason, society is at a place now where there's a certain number of white privileged people who are saying, okay, well, you know what, there's this other path that I want to build and it's really important. So I'm going to keep trying to build this path that doesn't say we should all be subjugating and killing each other and, and, and dominating each other based on skin color. And so that's the, that, but that same logic can apply to literally other, any other area of your life that you find important to change, even though your brain just throws these same old tropes at you, like, any really anything about you know conventional relationships um you can change it if you want to it's just it's always going to be it's always it's always going to be some work and but then maybe there's some pleasure to be found in that work as well i love that concept of like how do we how do we break this cycle for that path that's not serving us anymore and I think what you're saying is like, I might have the ingrained racist thought, right? And then I'm sort of like noticing it and then consciously as best I can stopping myself and being like, that's just a thought. Okay. You don't have to run, you know, it's just a thought. That's all it is, right? You don't have to run with it. And your yeah. conscious mind is helping to kind of redirect your actions and that sort of thing of how, what you do with that thought. Is that, is that what you're saying, Claire? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, so Kimberly loves her dog, Jasper. He's an old dog. He's very old. Um, she keeps want, she thinks that if she gets a puppy, it's going to make her happy. Can you fix her? Can I fix her? Tell him to let me have a puppy. No, see, tell, tell her that she doesn't need a puppy, that the puppy's not going to make her happy, that she needs to find the happiness in what she has, which is Jasper and me. Well, I think you could want the puppy and get the puppy and just not expect that it's it's what's going to make you happy in the long term. <laughs> so there's still a... See? So she agrees with me, Steve. No, she said she said not to get the puppy, the puppy yet. That's not what she said. You didn't listen to her very well. I can have it. I just can't <laughs> put everything into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Out. Claire, do me a favor. Do you, you want to try to give like a good uh, quick list of like the key points, things like that, that we went over that you think are really important for like listeners to keep in mind and remember? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the concept of happiness and what that even means. And um, I think Stephen, you said something about how happiness partly comes from effort rather than just pure pleasure. Yeah. And then Ava was talking about that as well. So it's not necessarily the pleasure seeking that leads to happiness, but something about like a sense of accomplishment and achievement. Yeah. And I talked a lot about, um, we never even used the phrase outsourcing happiness, but let's use that phrase now so that you're out outsourcing happiness to external things, including an exciting new non-traditional relationship structure. Um, is probably not going to have the lasting or it's not going to have the lasting effect that you think it will. Yeah. And then we talked about girlfriends from different countries. We talked about <laughs> dogs. And I think we talked about weird. a lot of Steven's <laughs> particular personal life questions. <laughs> and then you said that the problem was me. And then Ava said, no, Steve, you're the solution. 
Yeah. But actually that is another key point that we talked about how what's what the way that well-being is in our mind is actually um, good news and not something that we have to make a problem. And then we talked about evolution possibly <laughs> driving us to never be satisfied and how that doesn't have to be inherently a problem either because we can use our human ingenuity to redirect ourselves in in positive ways for using consciousness I think you said yeah using our did unique you take consciousness. notes did you I take notes on all this no I didn't I was actually just completely winging it just now thinking that I was wrong you I could <laughs> never I could never have come back with I'd be like uh yeah, yeah I was definitely yeah, I was impressive. totally bsing it <laughs> so that's <laughs> very very impressive very impressive uh, okay uh anybody want to add anything here at the end okay claire then you want to tell our listeners like where they can you know find you social media things like that that they can check you out and and follow you and know more yeah so i am on uh my website is intuitiveloving.com and i'm intuitive loving coaching i am actually most active on facebook as claire blossom coach so it's facebook.com back forward slash claire blossom coach and you can friend me on there um because of the nature of the consensual non-monogamy community i find it really helps to have a private profile so i can just interact with folks who might you know feel concerned about their their identity being outed um so i yeah you but if you're listening friend me on facebook is what i'm saying i'm also on instagram as intuitive.loving and yeah i have a boundaries workshop coming up with um another coach named roy graf he is open relating on instagram and uh yeah i look look forward to connecting with some of y'all good and, and we will put i'll make sure i'll talk with claire we'll make sure we have all those links in the show notes so just if you go to the show notes in the on the podcast click on them and you'll have all the links great so, th thank you claire yeah. And the thing I recommend the most, if you're interested in working together or speaking with me further is I do free consultations, which you can book through my website easily. And those are a free one hour call that I, I just love to do with anyone because they're incredibly helpful just in mapping out where you are and where you'd like to be and how working together might get you there. Even if we don't work together, I get feedback that the calls are extremely useful on a personal level. Yeah, that's that's really nice, and that's a that's a really nice gift. I'm gonna say too, in a whole hour of time. Yeah. Next week we're gonna be wrapping up the eight part flirting and seduction series as as we talk about seductive empowerment, and this is where I think when we started this whole thing we didn't really have this necessarily in as like a goal or something. And as we started talking about like what is ethical seduction and things like that, we realized like, no, what we're really trying to do is like empower people. And it really gets into like, you know, empowering yourself. But then there's also this connection of like, as you're doing that, you're going to be empowering other people. You're going to be benefiting them. So that's one of the things. And I don't think that's obvious to a lot of people. It was not obvious to me until starting to really have to think about this, like how we're tackling the, you know, the whole thing and like, what are we doing here? So that is something we want to kind of go over. And that really is, I'm going to say in a lot of ways, intimacy is very important, but I'm going to say this, the seductive empowerment part is also a real kind of key thing of, of that whole flirting and seduction that that's, that's what we do. So we're going to cover that. Um, and if you can 
if you would like. We have the eight-point guide to flirting and seduction, which is the PDF that really goes along with all those different podcast episodes. And you can find that on the website, ethicalseduction.com. And um, just there's a link on there. Just tap it and you can go through and get that, that PDF. And if you're a first-time listener and you actually like this episode, which we hope you do, hit subscribe. And we come out with new episodes every Friday. And you can check us out, just like Claire. We're on Instagram and FetLife and FetLife. Nobody's on FetLife, but we're on FetLife. And we have <laughs> Pinterest pages and the website, ethicalseduction.com. And you can email me. So if you have questions, if you have topics, nobody's done this. If you have topics you would like us to cover, um, let us know. You know, shoot me an email and leave us a voicemail. People are coming up to us in person and saying, oh, what about this? What about that? But the, the emails and the voicemails are empty and lonely. So Claire, thank you again. Thanks for uh, going through all this with us. And thank you. Putting up with me. And I appreciate the advice and... Uh, yeah. So Claire Blossom with intuitiveloving.com. Thank you. This was so much fun. We, we enjoyed it too. So thank you, everybody. We'll talk again next week. Bye. See ya. Thanks. Bye.